John chapter 1, look at your Bible now. Look at verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19 says this. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he, com- he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that send us. What sayest thou of thyself? And John answered this in verse 23. He said, He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then? If thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standing one among you, whom ye know not, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man, which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Our text and thought this morning comes from verse 23 this morning. Verse 23 says, And he said, I am the voice. I want to talk to you on that thought this morning. I am the voice. Father in heaven, thank you again for the opportunity to preach your word, the opportunity to read your word, the opportunity to have the freedom to be able to gather together to hear your word. Lord, may you get the honor and glory now. And Lord, again, thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving your son Jesus to die for us. Lord, if there's someone not saved, not sure of heaven this morning, would you please draw them to yourself and may they receive you for whosoever will. May they receive you. Thank you again for salvation. Lord, if there's a Christian this morning, may the thought be a help to all of us that we're your voice. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. John the Baptist, amazing character, amazing how the Lord brought him. John the Baptist was born six months prior to Jesus Christ, born to uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, The angel had come to them. We, again, gave the prophecy about him in Luke chapter number 1 as far as John coming on the scene. John the Baptist, not a whole lot mentioned about him as far as basically his birth or kind of a little bit about his childhood, not much. And then we find him in the wilderness, and then he comes back. And when he comes back, he's crying aloud, make, the, make your way straight. They're one that cometh after me that was before me. Think about that. Jesus Christ born six months physically in the human body, six months after John the Baptist, but yet Jesus was before him. He's God. He's the creator of the world. So now these Pharisees, or of the Pharisees, these were scribes and Levites that had come to John. They come to him and they ask that question. Look at verse 19 again. And this is the record of John, which the Jews sent, uh, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, here's the question, who art thou? They asked the same question in verse 22. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? John's answer in verse 23 was simple. He said, I'm the voice. Now I know he goes on to say what that voice is going to say, but John just wanted them to understand, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the the focus. The focus is the one coming after me, which would be Jesus Christ. And John just said, I'm just the voice. 
This morning, if you don't mind, they sound, uh, Brother Flowers, Tom, he did not get this until five minutes ago, so I don't know if it's going to work, but I want him to play a couple voices, and I want you to think, who are those voices this morning? All right, we're going to try the first one here this morning, and we'll see if this works. Again, he did not try this ahead of time, so hopefully this will work. So that would be John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, and obviously uh, some of the words that uh, you heard, you remember maybe those words, all right, or at least the voice of those words. Let's try another one. Very good. All right, so you guessed that one too. That was George W. Bush. All right, let's try another one. So our kids would not have heard him, or maybe, because uh, I'm uh, Pastor Lamb, but Dr. Jack Hiles. Again, he did an amazing work. That voice is pretty recognizable. Let's try another one. Anyone want to take a guess? Very good. Winston Churchill, all right? These people made an effect not just by their voice, but by their presence, but their voice. All right, one more. Very good. That was Lester Roloff. And again, our kids would not have recognized that voice, but again, great men of God of the past. When we hear those vo voices, if you were alive during those times that those men were alive and you hear their voice, memories come to your mind. Yes. As far as what they said, and to be honest with you, how they moved people. I mean, just the ones that we talked about here, some were presidents and some were preachers, but they, they, they had an amazing effect on people by their voice and what they said. Can I just tell you, John the Baptist was that person that he had an effect because of his voice. And can I just, again, just so you know where we're going this morning, we ought to have the same response if someone was to ask you, and it ought not be your name when somebody says, who are you? You're simply that voice. That's what you are. You're a Christian. And that voice ought to be the one that talks about Jesus Christ. And he ought to be the one that points to the one that, come, that came, that was before you, as John the Baptist refers to, that was Jesus Christ. We get so busy wanting people to know us when I'm just telling you we're just the voice of talking about the one who came before us. I want you to look at just a few things about John the Baptist and his statement here when he said, I am the voice. And I, I find that that voice is interesting. John the Baptist who comes from the wilderness and he's in his camel's hair and his leathern girdle and he's eating locust and wild honey. And people must have looked at him and thought, who is this crazy fellow? But yet people came to him and he baptized them. And uh, God used him to prepare a people who would get saved when Jesus Christ came on the scene for his earthly ministry. But look at the Bible again. I want you to just point out just some things quickly this morning. Verse 23 says this. He said, I am the voice. What's the next two words? Of one. Just remember, I want you to understand that there was, no, none, there was only a John the Baptist who came forth as the forerunner of Christ. And I want you to tell you it was a single voice. And in this idea of as we as Christians, can I tell you, you are one. 
And if we're not careful, we think that, uh, okay, I can only say something if I'm in a group. There's something about getting on a bus with 40 or 60 people and going out soul winning. There's, that, that, there's an encourage, uh, uh, encouragement of being able to do that. But there's times when you're by yourself that you should still be that voice. That you should still speak up for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a single voice. When I heard the choir sang a few moments ago, uh, Brother Jake was leading the choir this morning. Brother Barnabas is our normal choir director. For some rut of a reason, Brother Barnabas, I don't, ever, I don't ever hear him. I'm sitting right next to him when he's leading, but he's leading. Brother Jake, boy, he was singing this morning. You couldn't hear him, but man, he was in my right ear. I'm just telling you, okay? And it was good this morning. But you know what? I could, I could hear him. And sometimes when you get in a choir, you can even have a bad voice and not know it that it's in the choir. Now, all the ones that sing in our choir are good, good voices, okay? But can I just tell you that when you sing by yourself, it's a whole lot noticeable if you're off key. Can I tell you that as a Christian, we're not just supposed to be that voice when it comes to collectively like the Heritage Baptist Church. We're supposed to be that voice that singly tells people about Jesus Christ. When you look through the history as well as the scriptures, you're going to find out that there were people who were by themselves. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel with the 400, against 450 prophets. Micaiah against the 400 prophets and Ahab's group. You find out Noah building an ark by himself. Gideon going on against 135,000 Midianites. There's always been people who have had to stand alone. Apostle Paul said uh, in the book of Timothy in verse, chapter 4 verse 16, he says, No man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not lay to his charge. But in the very next verse he says, Notwithstanding. And this is what he means. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. And strengthen me. Can I just tell you, there's going to be times you're going to be by yourself and it seems like everybody's going to be against you, but you're supposed to be that voice. I want to tell you, Satan's trying to squelch every voice that mentions the name of Christ. There needs to be a single voice. A voice that's not worried about what people think about them. You might seem like you're the only voice at work or the only voice in your family or the only voice in your neighborhood. But John the Baptist said, I don't mind being that voice because I'm the voice of one. And can I tell you that we as Christians, whether you're a man or a woman, all of us ought to voice when it comes to Jesus Christ, what he did for you, how he saved you. In the scriptures, you've got uh, several people, like I'd mentioned, that stood by themselves. Moses standing before, before Pharaoh. Joseph standing in the presence of Pharaoh. All of these people who, who made a difference because they, they had a voice. D.L. Moody shook two continents and a million people came to Christ because of one person having a voice. C.T. Studd, Adoniram Judson, people who went to the mission field, who changed continents and lives of many people because they had a voice. William Booth, who started the Salvation Army. And we could go on and on and on of people who just simply used their voice. All of us should be like John the Baptist. I'm the voice of one. I'm the voice of one. Look what else he says in the Bible here. And I'll look at verse 23 again. Not only was he had a, a voice that was a single voice, but look at verse 23 again. He says, and he said, I'm the voice of one crying. It's interesting that that word crying actually means shout. I did not know that. When you look it up in the Greek, you're going to find out that that word means he shouted. Crying in the wilderness. Not only did he have a single voice, but he had a shouting voice. Just remember, I don't know why, but we get so... Uh, embarrassed when it comes to being in a group of people about sharing our faith and telling people about Jesus Christ. We allow the peer pressure to do wrong to cause us not to speak up, not to pass out a track, not to share our faith or tell people even what church we go to. 
Can I just tell you that when John the Baptist came out of the wilderness, he was not worried about what people thought about him. He cried, he shouted. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, Jesus, he was speaking, and he, Jesus, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The word preach there means a town heralder, a town crier, a person who would go before the king and the king would say, I want you to let all the subjects know this. And he would go out and cry out aloud. Hear ye, hear ye, the king has said. He was the town crier. It's the same word that's used for going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're a voice. John the Baptist was a voice. And it might be a single voice, but it ought to be a shouting voice. It ought to be a voice that's loud. God told Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show thy people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sin. Church, have you ever listened to a trumpet before? You know, it's hard to play a trumpet softly. God says that we ought to stand up and we ought to say aloud and we ought to shout when it comes to being able to let people know about him. Christians are in such a habit today of whispering while the world is shouting and it ought to be opposite. Hey, we've got the truth. They don't have it. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to go? Are they going to go to hell number one or hell number two? Do you understand that there is only one hell? And if you don't tell somebody that you love or somebody that you work with, they're going to die and go to hell forever? Amen. You need to speak up. You need to, you need to say to them that God loves them and he is the only way to heaven. Amen. Yesterday, I didn't get to knock very many doors yesterday, but a lady came out and decided to talk to me. She was, she was Mormon. And uh, when she, she, I mean, I knocked on her door and she came out with her dog. And I mean, it was kind of, kind of cool out yesterday. And she just, she just talked and talked and talked. And it's amazing. She didn't mind talking about Mormonism to me. I asked her questions about her faith. Because I want to tell you something. She believed it. Oh, I think, I think she would have stayed out there all door, all day. I mean, it was cool outside. She was just so engulfed with Mormonism. By the way, deceived by Mormonism. Amen. It's amazing how she continued to use the same type of language that we would use. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Yes, I believe that. Do you believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God? Yes, I believe that. I was asking her these questions. I said, do you believe that uh, those that don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that they're going to die and go to hell? Well... We, we don't believe the same as far as, you know, the heaven and hell that you're talking of. Church, I mean, the Bible's very clear. She says, well, you got the Book of Mormon and you got the Bible both. I said, ma'am, I said, the Bible was inspired by God. Book of Mormon was not inspired by God. It was given by man. Amen. She says, well, we take both of those to be able to find out what we believe. And I just told her, I said, listen, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the only, only way to heaven. And there is a real heaven. There is a real hell according to scriptures. She was not ashamed to come out there and talk about her faith of being a Mormon. I'm talking about very bold in her faith as far as, as far as Mormonism. And yet we as Christians, we have the truth and we're ashamed to tell people about Jesus Christ and that he's the only way to heaven. John the Baptist said, it's not me, it's not that I'm somebody, I'm just a voice. And I'm a voice of one and I'm a voice that's going to cry and it's going to shout because I want everybody to know that there's one that's coming after me, which was Jesus Christ, who came to take away the sin of the world. Amen. You're saved and on your way to heaven. You're that voice. Amen. You're a single voice, but you should be a shouting voice. 
I like verse 29, the same chapter here, John chapter 1, look at verse 29. It says, in the next day, again, I'm not reading all of the passage here, but verse 29 says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was a single voice, a shouting voice, but he's also a saving voice, not that his voice saved, but what he was talking about saved. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Hey, listen, it's, isn't it amazing that you can talk to somebody who's an unbeliever and you can talk about sports, you can talk about the weather, but as soon as you mention Jesus, oh, I don't talk about religion. Hey, listen, if there's somebody you've been working with for years and years and years and you've never told them about Jesus Christ, the easiest way is to give them a gospel track and say, hey, listen, somebody gave me one of these years ago and it showed me how I could go to heaven. Would you at least read it? You don't have to be offensive about giving the gospel. I, I don't know what it is about us. We, we think that, you know, it's going to be one of two things. They're either going to love us or they're going to hate us. It's just a matter of warning them about salvation, that salvation's free. And without salvation of Jesus Christ, I've got to go to hell. It's just warning them. And by the way, if they were in a physical difficulty, you would have a hard time shouting, hey, wait, watch it. But that's where we're at. Witnessing is not about telling somebody, you're going to die and go to hell. Truthfully, witnessing is about telling them Jesus loves you and wants to save you. It's a, it's a single voice. It's a shouting voice. It's a saving voice. John the Baptist was here to tell them about Jesus, and that was the purpose that God had for his life. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. What was John sent for? To tell them about Jesus. What are we here for? To tell them about Jesus. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And ye, us, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the world. You know what's going to be really sad? is people who are saved and know Christ as their Savior but not willing to tell anybody else about them when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And, of course, we look at the book of Ezekiel about their blood being upon our hands, about the many people at the great white throne judgments to be cast into the lake of fire. And there's no doubt we're going to be there. Now, I don't know for sure, but are they going to call your name out? Are they going to yell, why didn't you tell me? Hey, our voice ought to be a saving voice to point them to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You say, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to say when they die and go to hell? What are they going to do? We live in the United States of America. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood. We're not like the martyrs of Hebrews chapter 11 that were sawn asunder, cast into lion's dens. God wants us to be a saving voice. He wants us to tell people about Jesus Christ. The, the last one I want you to see about John's voice is not mentioned in John 1, but I want you to turn, to, turn with it to me. Look, look over to Luke chapter 3. There's one more thing that John spoke with his voice. It's very interesting. You know how John died. John was beheaded. Why was John beheaded? Because Herodias did not like John. And when Herodias' daughter danced in front of Herod on his birthday, Herod says, you just ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. She goes back, talks to her mother. Mother Herodias says, hey, ask for John the Baptist's head. That's how John died. But you're saying, what caused John to end up in prison? You got your Bible there in Luke chapter number 3. Look at chapter 3, verse number 18. He says, and many other things in his, John's exhortation, preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him, John, by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, uh, his brother Philip's wife, for, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. 
Herod was an unbeliever. He wasn't saved. He didn't believe in God. But yet John the Baptist, with his voice, not only said, hey, you're not supposed to have your brother's wife. The Bible tells us, doesn't tell us what they are, but for all the evils of Herod. Can I tell you what kind of voice John the Baptist had? He was a single voice all by himself. He was a shouting voice. He made sure people could hear him. He was a saving voice. He pointed people to Jesus Christ. But he was also a sin-exposing voice. That's the pastor's job. You know, I want to tell you something. We as Christians have become so passive when it comes to this area of sin, and it's because of the sin in our own life. Have you ever noticed that a pastor who does not preach against the qualifications of a pastor, being the husband of one wife, are usually people who have been divorced? Has it ever dawned on you we have a hard time preaching a message against something that we're already doing? You know, I think the problem with us as Christians, the reason we don't want to talk about sin is because we're doing it. And by the way, if nobody else knows about it and you're doing it, there's something inside of you that says, I can't condemn somebody else for the same thing that I'm doing. Church, I mean, we as Christians, we ought to speak against that which is wrong, that which is contrary to Scripture, that which, which is sinful. Well, I don't want to be controversial. John the Baptist was controversial. When he got up to preach, guess what he said? Hey, you generation of vipers. That doesn't sound very nice. I find that John the Baptist not only exposed sin when it came to Herod, who was an unbeliever, but he exposed sins who were believers. And, I, and the reason I believe that is because of the previous part in the chapter. Look at Luke chapter 3 with me again. Look at verse number 2. Ananias and Caiaphas, being the high priest, Luke chapter 3, verse 2. The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Look at verse number uh, 7. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within ourselves, or yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Look at verse number, um, let's pick it up verse number 10. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? Look at verse 12. Then came also the publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? Verse number 14. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? It's interesting. These folks came, and the baptism was the fruit of their repentance. In other words, they had a change of repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart for what, had, what they had believed. And so they had come. I think that was the evidence of their salvation. And John, they come to John and said, What do we need to change? The people, he tells them in verse number 10, verse number 11, he answereth and saith unto them, he that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came the publicans, verse number 13, what did he tell them? And he said unto them, exact no more than that which is appointed you. Then the soldiers said, what shall we do? And he said unto them, do, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Can I just tell you, John did not have a hard time exposing, hey, this is wrong, you should not be doing this. You know, we were talking about churches this morning and uh, as far as our worship a little bit and during the city school hour and one of the biggest things about churches today is we don't want to preach against sin we want it to be very general we want to talk about things that are positive the love of God the mercy of God the grace of God and by the way all those things in the scripture we should preach on all those 
But there are some things in Scripture that we talk about the whole counsel of God that need to say, hey, listen, this isn't right. We're not supposed to do this. In Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was pretty clear. There are least sins and there are greater sins. The greater sin is if you kill somebody. The least sin is if you, you hold a hatred against your brother. Amen. He said the greater sin is to commit adultery. He said the least sin is for you to look upon a woman and lust after her. But he still called both of them sin. I want you to look at one more passage. Let me turn over to Ezekiel with me for just a moment. I'm almost done here. Look at Ezekiel chapter 2. This is the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter number 2. Look at verse number 3. Ezekiel 2, verse number 3. He says, And he said unto, unto me, talking about Ezekiel to God, God speaking to him, and he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even, even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, And they, whether they will, what? Hear, or whether they will? Forbear. For their rebellious house, yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. Look at verse number 7. For time's sake, let me just jump to these. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house. All right, he goes on to say, let me pick it up, chapter 3, look at verse number 11. 3, verse number 11. He says this, he says, And go, get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Now, he's going through this with him, and he said, Now listen, Ezekiel, in verse number 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, give them warning from me. He says, listen, they might not listen to you, but you need to tell them what they're doing is wrong. Amen. You know, we as Christians sometimes, we're so careful not to be offensive, but sometimes your voice needs to be heard. Amen. John, who are you? I'm the voice. That's it. Church, I mean, what do you say? What do you speak? What do you stand up for? What do people know you believe? I'm not telling you this morning to leave here and be confrontational. I'm not telling you this morning to go out and try to offend somebody. But, but, but how come we can talk about in the public's eye, we can talk about anything we want, but when we talk about that book right there, we're the villain. You know what, i tell you something. If God tarries and, and he doesn't come back right away, we are not far off that what the kind of preaching that we preach from the pulpit here, I'll be in jail. You can't talk about alternate lifestyle. God calls it homosexuality. The Bible calls it sodomy. It's just, it's just, it's just what the Bible says. But if you say that at work or in public, oh, that's a hate crime. That is not a hate crime. If I say lying is wrong because the Bible says, Proverbs 12, verse number 22, lying lips are abomination unto the Lord. Oh, it's okay, yeah, a person shouldn't lie. But if I say that if you like, love a person that's of the same gender, according to the book of Leviticus, that it's an abomination to God, hate crime. Just man, that is the warped thinking of a lost person that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But that should not be the warped thinking of a Christian who knows Christ as their Savior. Why do we have to fear to say if you if an abortion is still murder? That's right. If you're having an affair or living with somebody, that's adultery. Amen. If you use God's name in vain, God says, I do not hold you guiltless. That's right. Why can't we say that? 
You're just a voice. Well, what will people think of me? It's not your voice. You're just a voice. John the Baptist, who are you? I'm one. John the Baptist, who are you? I'm a voice that shouts. John the Baptist, who are you? I'm the voice that says, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, who are you? I'm somebody that says, that's sinful, that's wrong, you shouldn't be doing it. No, you know what we want to do? We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We want to be accepted by everybody. I'll tell you, the Lord's coming back. You're going to stand before God, and you're going to be glad that you stood for the Lord. And church, I hope you understand the, the, the spirit of this morning's message. This is not go get in somebody's face and tell somebody how sinful they are. It's been a while since we've done street preaching here in town, but we go down to Massachusetts Street, uh, street preaching. Years and years ago, a fellow came through by the name of Sutek, and we, we still support him as a missionary in the Philippines now. And uh, he came to a church service when we were on the old site, and he said, hey, listen, uh, I'm a street preacher. I did not know him, but he preached that night in the service, and I don't remember all the details, but he preached that night in the service. And when the invitation was going on, I went up to him and said, listen, uh, are you going to take a street preaching tomorrow night? This is on Wednesday night. He said, I'm sorry, i got to leave. I'm, I can't be here. I said, well, you can't, you can't just stir everybody up to go street preaching and then you're not here to do it because I'm not doing it. I said, I've never done it before because my experience of street preachers was when I lived in Chicago, you would go down to Chicago and there'd be people on corners and they would be yelling, their veins would be coming out of their throat, they're yelling, their look on their face was like they were going to kill you. And they were preaching about Jesus. Well, that's the only street preacher I'd ever known and I didn't do it and I'm not, I wasn't going to do that. And so he came and preached and said, listen, I really, if you're going to do this, you've got to teach our people how to do this because I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I can. So that night, after the Wednesday night service, we all got on a bus. How many was on that, that night you were there? All right, several. We got on that bus and we went down to Massachusetts Street on that evening, and he, I, I had never seen it like that before. Brother Sutek, we'd, we'd all, we all got out there, we prayed as a group, and then we just started singing. We sang out in two, three, four, five, five songs, and then all of a sudden, he just got up there on the corner. He cupped his hand to his, uh, to his mouth and held his New Testament and said, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He never, he never moved his face. He never, he never got mad. I never saw no veins. I had never seen that before. Oh, there were people that walked by that, you know, with disdain on their face. But there were so many people that took tracks and there were people that got saved and so we, we started doing that. We would go down there, and I would take people with me. And I, to be honest with you, you know, it was new to me, so I would let whoever wanted to preach get up there and preach. I remember one time a person got up to preach, and they said, you're going to die and go to hell because of your sin? Yeah, yeah, you. You're probably an adulterer. You. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. What are you doing? But the majority of people got up and said, Romans 3.23 says, for God, I'm sorry, Romans, <laughs> I got the right verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And they would go through the Romans road and they would preach that. Church, I mean, all God wants is a voice. He's not looking for you to hurt somebody. He's just looking for a voice. Somebody that you work with that you've never even got a gospel track to, that you can just simply say, hey, listen, 
I'm not inviting you to my church, but this track has Bible verses in it. Would you just read it? If you've got questions, let's talk about it. How about that person that's a relative of you and they're getting up in age that you've never in your Christmas card put a, put a track in there and put it at the bottom of your card. Hey, listen, would you just read this? I, I'm really, I love you and I'm concerned for you. You're just a voice. That's all you are. No, I'm Caleb Selim. I'm Tom Nearing. I'm Rich Bond. No, I want to tell you what you are. You're a voice. Hey, hey, who are you? He never said, I'm John the Baptist. He just said, I'm the voice. One of, the day, one of these days, we live our life long enough, God's going to take us home to heaven, whether by death or by rapture. And what you're supposed to be doing right now is using your voice. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning?